Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. This is Dr. Jay Calvert, and I am here with my faithful co-host, Dr. Millicent Ravello. How are you, Dr. Ravello? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I am faithful. I am loyal. And I am here. That's right. Because if you weren't, you wouldn't be here. You'd be probably home doing something much more interesting. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> well, maybe you, maybe not as interesting. Probably something you need to do. Yes. Maybe working on your garden. Or... My garden. I'd be gardening. Yes. How's that garden coming? It's coming well. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting into my flowers and I'm turning my black thumb like brownish. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm working my way up. I've, I've only killed one plant this month. Not too bad. <laughs> Not too Bad. Too bad. That's good. So I'm really enjoying it. I, it's, it's so. I, how do you know you're getting old when you take up gardening? <laughs> <laughs> I have some other measures of getting old that I can discuss, but probably not exciting. Today we're going to talk about breast aesthetics. Yes, you would think that this would be an obvious topic, right? Because we are plastic surgeons, and I mean. Every practice is a little bit different, but I would say the vast majority of us do a lot of breast. It makes up a huge portion of our practice. So the concept of what makes a beautiful breast should be like fairly obvious to all of us. And is it? <laughs> Yet, some of the breasts that we see kind of make you go, hmm. hmm. I wonder what they were thinking. <laughs> like, what's interesting to them? But that, but that, that's the thing because. As they say, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Yes. So the aesthetic breast is a very subjective thing. And what might be beautiful to one plastic surgeon might not be to another. And there are certainly regional differences. There are generational differences. And, and then, of course, there's always always the patient preference and what they are requesting. Well, so, and also breast augmentations, reconstructions, and reductions change over time they definitely change over time and what's considered appropriate what's considered good looking what the techniques are to achieve any given result so yeah the aesthetic breast is an evolving target well and also i have plenty of breasts that i have built and augmented and and reduced and things that have gone through dramatic changes over time due to things such as pregnancy weight gain weight loss Mm -hmm. when somebody cuts 30 pounds it changes the way the breast looks it changes the breast when you have a little seven pound piranha sucking on your breasts for a year that changes the shape of the breasts it does it does a little bit when you go through menopause lots of changes happen to the breasts so yeah time age gravity childbirth pregnancy breastfeeding all of those things certainly affect the breasts Uh, Whether they're native breasts, whether they've been enhanced, whether they've been reduced, they will have changes. And things do change with the breast in terms of uh, the capsular, not even capsular contracture, but you can get capsular kind of thickening. Like it can go from Baker 1 to Baker 2-ish and it can change the way the breast looks. So all those things can affect the breast aesthetics. But with that said, there is a real difference in terms of how a surgeon looks at the breast and decides, okay, I'm going to augment it this much. I'm going to use this type of implant. This is the type of projection I want to get. This is the type of look that my patient's going for that I think will be you know, th- good for them. And right. every surgeon has a different eye for what that is. 
Agreed. And so that is where it certainly, number one, the communication with the patient becomes very important because you, number one, have to establish what it is that they're looking for. Uh, Number two, whether or not you can give that to them. And then number three, how are you going to give that to them? Yes. And the how is where it gets really fun. (laughs) So let's let's tee off with breast reductions because I think... I have I have a whole blog post about this. I wrote an article in, on my website about the aesthetic breast reduction because I think that this is an operation that is sort of kind of a, like an afterthought in terms of the aesthetics because they're just a lot of surgeons are just trying to make the breast smaller. Yes, and it, and yes, and I'm not going to go into my insurance thing today. <laughs> so just talk talk me off that ledge because here I go. No, I want to get up on that ledge with you. Because the insurance companies make us do things, you know, the patient says, well, I want to use my insurance. And then you go like, okay, well, then I have to take off 800 grams of breast tissue off of each breast, which if they have, you know, 1,200 grams of breast tissue, is going to leave them with some pretty small looking breasts. I have a question. Yes. I have a comment. Okay, here it comes. I'm can ready. I, can I just tell, my, tell my, can I tell my story from today real you can. quick? You definitely can. <laughs> Please do. So this is the thing, right, with insurance, because I had a lady who was a fairly small lady, actually, but had large breasts for her frame. And based on her height and weight, insurance said I had to take off this much breast tissue. Even though she was having symptoms such as back pain, shoulder pain, neck pain related to the size of the breasts. And I looked at that number and I said, that's going to leave her with absolutely nothing. That's almost a mastectomy. This is what I think would be a better number and would leave her with nice-looking breasts, significantly smaller, to reduce her symptoms. And they said, nope, we're not going to we're not gonna approve that number. Patient like, one, what do they know? What? Patient like, really who are wanted... these people? She wanted the interns to cover it. We had a long, long, long discussion about what that would mean for her in terms of the aesthetics. And she wanted to proceed. I get to the OR. I take out a certain amount, and I look at the breast, and I'm like, oh, that is a nice-looking, pretty breast. I really like how that looks. <clears throat> it's a good size for the patient. It's a beautiful shape, and I'm only halfway there to the oh. insurance requirements. So I spent the next two hours whittling away at the breast and constantly weighing the specimens. Well, how much now? How much is it now? Have you met our number now? How about now? And at the end, it's like the like, patient... Why is some insurance adjuster directing your operation? Like, what is that? And I'm like whittling away, taking away little, little chitlins of breast tissue just to make some number happy so that they won't deny it. And then she's left with some giant bill at the end of the surgery if they deny it. So anyways, the point of that is that there is a difference when you're looking at a breast reduction between maybe what the surgeon can do for you to make you a beautiful breast and what insurance requires that they do. So you have to sort of consider that when you're thinking about your breast reduction. If you have very, very large breasts, it's probably one and the same. You know, it's not going to be a big deal. But if you're on the smaller to medium size spectrum of larger breasts, then you may want to consider going outside of the insurance dollar and choose a surgeon that would give you a beautiful breast size and shape that may not meet the insurance requirements. Ugh. I mean, that story, it it really chaps my hide. <laughs> but... It does. It's, I, like, I it's so awful. It, I, like, I was, how is some doofus insurance adjuster sitting in some office somewhere 
directing your operation. Literally directing it. Because I got to like, you know, I was still 50 or 60 grams off and I was like sweating it. I was like getting nervous. I'm like, I got to get these 50 grams somehow. But now I'm worried I'm going to kill off the blood supply to this pedicle because it's getting really thin and then her nipple won't survive and these flaps are getting really thin. And it was like stressing me out <laughs> just to get to this dang number. See, this is, this is why I think you should be allowed to slap stupid people. I do. I think, you know, that, that insurance adjuster should be slapped because then they'd be like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm being stupid. I should let the doctor make the choices instead of me deciding how many grams is going to affect a payment. What? Yeah. That is, that is absurd. It's absurd. It's absurd. Thank you for joining me on my ledge. I'm, I am up there with you. But it's just, it's, it is, it, it's just infuriating and and doesn't make any sense I, I you just don't even know what to say like if people were to stop and listen to like what we're actually talking about they'd be like how is that even like 2021 discussion like how is that even like possible that that level of crass ignorance exists in a in a world of knowledge and and information and data like how is that that below the belt ignorance of insurers affecting the care of patients in that way it's absurd it's absurd that's insurance that's insurance okay but back to making nice looking breasts Bye. <laughs> right back off. to pretty breasts so back to the pretty breasts <laughs> the truth is is that in so in my practice it's not a problem because i tell people they can bill the insurance all they want if they can get the money that's great I, I'm going to just take cash on it because I need to have not have to yeah. do that. I can't do it. I just, in the in the words of Blake Griffin from his uh, stuff people say in L.A., I literally can't even. I won't even. So it's totally something I say. I didn't realize that was a <laughs> L.A. thing. So Yeah, no, <laughs> Blake Griffin does this thing. like It's like stuff people say in L.A., oh. but they say something else but it's yeah. uh and his thing is like i literally can't even yeah i won't even i can't even like, so I, I can't won't even <laughs> i can't even um i'll put it up on our uh <laughs> on our instagram it's really funny in fact one of the things he says is like you know that this is what people say in la it's like you know i'm thinking about doing a podcast i really feel like i got <laughs> something to say <laughs> it, it, it tees off with this is so good he goes you know I'm not positive, but I think uh, who's the guy that was in Spider-Man? Toby. Uh, Toby Maguire. Toby Maguire. <laughs> yes, he teased it off with. Uh, I'm not positive, but I think Toby Maguire was my barista at Earth Cafe today. <laughs> <laughs> it's a classic. <laughs> it's really Sounds good. about right. Yep. Um, kombucha on tap. Yeah, that's my jam. So, back to what we were talking about <laughs> about pretty breasts. Um, Anyway, the goal with breast reduction is to make pretty breasts. And I like to use a superior pedicle technique. I like to keep the breasts as full as possible up top, but really reduce from below. Are you, are you a superior medial pedicle? I'm a superior me- medial pedicle. Yeah, that's my, yeah. Su- that, that's that's my jam. That's your jam. <laughs> <laughs> that's totally my jam. Stuff plastic surgeons say. That's right. <laughs> we should totally do that. That's great. Superior medial pedicle, that's my jam. Um, but I like that because it gives the fullness like where the action is. Because people typically want more, they want to keep their cleavage, they want it to look beautiful. 
Um, but then you can reduce everything underneath and really shorten up that inferior pole of the breast, which looks great. Unless you're handcuffed by the insurer, in which case you might as well just do a mastectomy and call it a day. Right. And that's, I mean, if you have the ability to do it as you please and you are in control of making that breast um, while you're reducing it, then yeah, you you can definitely make it very pretty. Um, Liposuction of the sides of the breast, the axillary rolls. Um, sometimes the top part, that little axillary puff part, needs to be liposuctioned. Do you liposuction that puff? I do. I mean, if there I actually is saggy puffs, if there's something there, yes. If it's just skin, then no. Um, do you tell them they need like an in the armpit brachioplasty thing or like? Um, if they have excess skin, as I mean, that's when you get into the topic of ectopic breast tissue. If there's actually a lot of tissue there. Um, I tell them I'm going to liposuction them, and then I'm going to make a cut in the axilla and take out the extra skin as well. I, I but had some, some patients recently, that are just have dense fat in that area, liposuction seems to work fine. I had a patient that had ectopic breast tissue there, and we wound up actually making incisions yeah. and taking it off. It was just really, they're like little tiny breasts. Yeah, I had that patient two weeks ago. She had large breasts and large ectopic breasts, and we took them all out. Um, nice move. Yeah, nice move. But yeah, so you got to, there's all, it's not, when you're looking at the breast, the breast reduction, you have to look at everything around it. It's not just the breast. You got to really address the sides of the chest wall, the transition onto the sides of the chest, anything that's happening up top in the armpit area. Um, and yeah, you, there, you can really make it really nice, make it really pretty. Scars and, are real. And the scars are very real that the scars kill me. I had a lady today who is six months out from her breast reduction, and we're on round three of Kenalog injections oh, for geez. keloid scars of her breasts. But she did say, after I finished poking her like 20 times, she's like, still love them. Still glad I did it. Yeah. So even with the keloid scars, you know, she is still very, very happy with the results. It is a high satisfaction operation. Um, patients are really happy to have their breasts made smaller so that they can yeah. do what they need to do yeah. and you know exercise and get rid of the back and neck pain, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's a very it's satisfying It's operation. very satisfying for the patient. And in all honesty, um, the topic of the beautiful aesthetic breast reduction is probably more about our ego as plastic surgeons than it is about the patients because most of them are so happy just True. to have smaller breasts and have all of those symptoms gone. But of course... We want to make them beautiful as well. Definitely. 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 What about uh, breast reconstruction? What are the, what is, in terms of the aesthetics, some massive key points from your standpoint? You do a lot of cancer breast reconstruction. I do a lot of breast reconstruction. And the, I would say the, the thought or the pendulum has definitely changed over the past decade or two, where the thought for breast reconstruction used to just be, We'll slap some implants on there, give them some volume, and patients should be happy that they don't have cancer and that they have something to fill out a bra with not a whole lot of regard to what it actually looks like. And to be fair, you know, 20 years ago, you know, more than that, the options just weren't there in terms of implants, in terms of devices. They just weren't there. The techniques weren't available to really, really make you know, aesthetically looking reconstructed breasts. But so much has changed even in the past 10 years with device options, with implants, um, changes in the mastectomy techniques as well. That's and a, a big, big one. big, big shift in... Ooh, someone's at the door. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your ring? That's my ring. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I'm here to water your plants. <laughs> Is it that guy? No. I got to water your plants, please. No, it's... Um, 
the breast reconstructions now, even the, the technique to the mastectomy is much more emphasis is being placed on preserving the nipple because the nipple has such an aesthetic, huge aesthetic result on the final outcome. And being able to keep it is really what's going to keep it looking like a, a real breast. And it's there's just so many different options now to be able to keep it that, that are really exciting and I'm really excited to be able to do if you can get the mastectomy surgeon to be on board with it. Um, so, yes, now that all being said is very well and good, um, but breast reconstruction is still a challenge. It's still a challenge for me. There are cases I get that are really hard, especially the unilateral oh. patients. Oh Trying to make a reconstructed breast look like a natural breast, I think, is the curse of every breast happening. reconstruction surgeon. How's that going to happen? It, it, it's really, really hard, and I struggle, and I definitely have patients that are, aren't happy with their reconstructions. Um, but in general, the goal really is to make them have, you know, beautiful breasts. Maybe they're not exactly like they had before, but sometimes better than they had before. I have, I have some that are much better. I have a question. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, when you have a patient who has 38 G breasts with a sternal notch to nipple distance of... 34 centimeters on each side and they're having a unilateral mastectomy mm. and they want to don't do anything to the other one just leave it like it is and just put an implant over here so i have something what, what do you say to that like how like because i've seen this yeah you've seen it you have to i mean a lot of it comes down to education and showing pictures I'm being like, so this is what you're saying and this is what it will look like if we do that. And some people will actually look at that and be like, I don't care. That's fine. Ugh. And usually that's my older patients who just, they don't care anymore. Like they no. don't care. No. Um, but some of them are like, oh, I see what you're saying. But even still. Even if you lift the other one, Even it's still, still the options are still so limited and this is, goes down a whole reconstruction rabbit hole. Those are the patients where you really want to talk about maybe other options. Um, one being either just doing the oncoplastic reduction, like we talked about a couple of podcasts ago, or even doing a stage thing, which is my new thing. I'm, I'm really excited to start doing more of where you, um, reduce one breast, do the lumpectomy, get the cancer out, get the nipple where you want it and come back in three months and do the completion mastectomy. Uh, but if you have like one, that. yeah, isn't that neat? I like That's that. A idea. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, I learned that this past weekend. Uh. <laughs> um, but yeah, even still, if you have an implant on one side and a natural breast on the other, um, it's it's hard. That's where the, the it's possible. It's it's hard. It just isn't going to look right. And don't even get me started on radiation. So uh. yeah, <sighs> that's where I start sending my patients. I start referring them out maybe for like Tramp a flap. deep flap. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, deep flaps. So what that is uh, for our listeners is a deep inferior epigastric uh, perforator flap. And what that is is it's a blood vessel that keeps the skin and the fat of the abdomen alive when you do a microsurgical transfer of that skin and fat to the breast. Um, we used to do micro-free trams, which are, you know, and I did some deeps even back in the day. I mean, I, I never really made that my operation. I was always a micro-free tram guy, and I took a little little patch of muscle I, I didn't. I didn't quite get the. I didn't get the memo on why to skinny down that artery. Even though, like Bill Swartz was the guy at Pittsburgh that would do that. Like I was doing that in, you know, back in the day, 
uh, you know, before you were born. And I never understood why skinny that whole thing down, but that's what people do now. And I, I think they get a little more fat necrosis that way. I think you get a little more problem. Whereas like when you do a tram, you don't quite get that. So what's the point again? Why, why deep versus free tram? Preserves muscle, muscle function, pain. It's a, it's a hot topic in, in the microsurgical world even still. Is it just like because we can kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what yeah. I figure. I mean, I get it. Whatever. D- do what you got to do. You know, I think the deeps are great. I think it, if I were having breast reconstruction, I would want a deeper or micro-free tram. Uh, I'd even want a pedicle tram. You know, what the hell? You know, the unilateral pedicle tram is fine. And and you can match that up to a, to a, natural uh, a, breast. a breast. Much yeah, better. Much better than an implant. Yeah, but small, medium-sized women, they do great with implant reconstructions. Larger women, oncoplastic reductions, maybe a free flap, radiation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, radiation, I just, I want to run the other way. I, I don't like implants and radiation. Can, can I say that? Like, I just yeah. don't. I don't. I don't think it, it works well. It, it's like yeah. it, it's like somebody, you know, fried your reconstruction. It's terrible. And it's never, it's never nice. It's like, no. I think if there's radiation, I really want some, I want autogenous reconstruction. Even a latisse. There's nothing wrong are great. with Latis. I do a lot of Latissimus. They're great. Do you? You, you like that one? Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, let's move on to breast augmentation and the beautiful breast. Now this, now this is a plastic surgery discussion. Because this is where you can really um, get all sorts of outcomes. Um, some yes, intentional, some not intentional. Um, Again, this is where a surgeon's preference and idea of an aesthetic breast really comes into play. So this is where you sort of have more leeway as the surgeon to make what you think is a beautiful breast. Once again, this is where I, I, I've said this 64 times now on this podcast. You have to look at the before and after photos to understand what your surgeon is thinking. Because it is those results that you see on their Instagram and their and their websites that is what they are shooting for. So if right. you look at my Instagram, you look at my website, that's what I'm shooting for. When I do your breast augmentation, that's what I want. And whether it turns out or not, that, you know, obviously, you know, the majority of them turn out great. But with uh with some, you know, there's there's some hard hard augmentations for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, tuberous breasts, tuberous little, breasts. you know, constricted breasts that are kind of masquerading as just sort of small breasts, but they're really constricted breasts. They have a short little nipple to fold distance, things like that that make it really tricky. The massive weight loss breast. Oh, very tricky. Very hard. Especially with implants. Yeah, very yeah, hard. What's your, what's your look? If, you, if, if somebody said, Dr. Ravello, what's the look that you're going for when you do a breast augmentation? You would say it's... I, I like the augmented look. I'm not going to lie. I feel like that's like a dirty thing to say. Um, but I... No, people want that. I like the augmented look. And here in Southern California, uh, people want that look, they I do. find. They want people to know they've had a breast reduction. Um, or at least... Not yeah, a breast, breast reduction. A breast augmentation. Or at least, you know, whisper amongst themselves. Well, did she? Did she not? 
Um, and I certainly have patients that come in and just want something very natural. But you and I just had this discussion about the moderate profile implants versus the full profile. Gets the, that out of the here. The full profile. No purpose for those moderate Im- moderate plus implants. The no. full pro- so profile re- uh, refers to how far off the chest wall a given volume of implant is, and a full profile is going to have that more. Um, superior pull volume. It's going to give you that more augmented look. And the farther down you go, there's moderate plus, moderate low profile, the more pancakey each one gets. And so kind of, it, I guess you could even say more natural looking the implants get. And I, I mean, my go-to is a full profile implant and just about 80, Hell 90% yeah. of my patients. So that's when I was like, oh, I, I ordered a moderate plus profile the other day because the patient had, she wasn't an augmentation patient. We were con- fixing a congenital breast deformity. She really didn't want to look augmented. She just wanted them to look equal. And so for that reason, we went with the moderate plus just to give her a equal look without looking augmented. But so yes, in, in a word, I would say um, a softly, not even softly augmented, augmented. <laughs> um, I prefer the term naturally augmented. Naturally augmented. <laughs> Naturally augmented. I don't know that my patients look naturally augmented. I know I think they look augmented. I know. I'm like I, mean, I don't. I'm know. all about the cleavage. Like I. Yeah. I mean my my look is very specific. You know, it is like cleavage central in here. That's kind of the the deal that I'm going for. I want it to be, you know, really pretty, really beautiful, full. I try to pick an implant that fits the base width of the breast. I try to analyze the chest wall to see how curvaceous it is in terms of typically what i see is that one side presents like a platform the other side sort of like the keel of a ship and so you have to kind of adjust for that in your brain about how you're going to put the the implants in whether that you even have to account for that with some size discrepancy because for our listeners the the gel silicone gel implants come pre-filled you don't get to like add you know 5 10 15 cc's to one side over the other you have to actually put in a different size device so that makes for the uh, time that you spend in the consultation analyzing the chest wall, the breast, the breast tissue, how much coverage there is, very important. Right. And you can get, I'm, I've been guilty, you know, some of my earlier cases, getting into trouble cause for not doing that and getting in there and being like, why isn't this working out the way I wanted it to? You know, because I didn't understand the shape of the chest wall or the the laxity of the skin tissues, or how tight the, t- the tissues were going to be, or did I need to do anything to the fold? So things like that. You definitely, there is certainly a decent amount of analysis. You can't just go in and throw an implant into a patient and, you know, call it a day, be done in an hour and a half, you know. Well, you and I, I, you and I feel that way, but some of the others of our profession would disagree. They would say that there's, if you're putting in implants, they're bigger when it's over, it's fine. That's not true. No, no, that's not true. So here I'm going to give you a little little bonus for mm. today on your analysis of the chest wall. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. I don't know if we discussed this when we're, you were coming up through the, when you were a wee lass. <laughs> um, so I turn all my patients around and look at their backs and I look at their shoulder blades mm. because you see a couple of things when you do that. You see that the shoulder blades are different heights. And then you see their scoliosis. And also in the back, you can get an idea because the, the chest is not a round barrel. It sticks out one side and pushes to the other side. And so you can see that there are going to be discrepancies on the chest wall because of the way their back looks. 
And so when you turn them around and look at their shoulder blades, you might see that one's higher than the other, lower than the other. You might get a sense of which side bulges out in front because of what's happening in the back of the rib cage. And all of a sudden, you get a different view of what's happening up front by looking at their back. It's really important, especially in breast asymmetry cases. That makes sense. And I would say that I, I don't really... I don't, I'm not big on doing different sized implants in general. Neither am I. And I'll, but I'll I, talk about this. Actually. But I, it is good to notice that ahead of time just to point it out to the patient. Definitely. Preoperatively, just being like, hey, I'm probably going to put in the same size implants on both sides. Um, but this is what you may notice afterwards. Because unless the asymmetry is you know, moderate to severe, I feel like if you're putting in different implants, you're going to end up chasing your tail a bit because... Now, you're, now one side's a little bit bigger, and so then you try and do something to the other side, and now you're doing unnecessary steps. Whereas if you just acknowledge you may have a small bit of asymmetry, similar to what you had before, then everyone's cool. I 100% agree with you. And what I, what I add to that discussion that you just had, because I do the same exact thing. I walk them through it and say, look, these breasts are asymmetric. Here's your chest wall. And, and especially if I'm seeing that, that's when I really point out the shoulder blade thing. I'll, I'll turn them around, take a picture of their back and show it to them. They're like, oh, my God. You know, like all of a sudden they see that their body's not like, a, you know, a, you know, perfectly Round. protractor yeah. and, and, you know, ruler drawn, you know, right angled machine. It's not. It's, it's a human body. But I say I'm going to put in the same size implants and there will be this this asymmetry but the asymmetry is going to be based on your asymmetry. If I put in different implants, you're still going to be asymmetric, <laughs> but now it's based on the implants. So I'd rather you have a natural asymmetry that's augmented equally than the asymmetry that I'm going to create with the implants, which may not look normal. It may not right. look different than what you have now. And they, and they get that. And, and sometimes there is enough difference that you have to put different sure. size implants for sure. But in general, when it's minor like that, when you're talking about 25 cc's, maybe even up to 50 cc's, you kind of go, yeah, not worth chasing, uh, not worth it because it's still going to be not symmetric right. and it's going to be asymmetric from a device standpoint as opposed to a natural human body standpoint. Right, right. No, a thousand percent agree. Um, and then you have the question, you know, of the the breast augmentations with a lift. When do you do a lift? What kind of lift do you do? And talking about scars. So um, I think we've talked about this before with mastopexy augmentations. If your surgeon is recommending that you have a mastopexy with your augmentation, listen to your surgeon. Because yeah. the quickest way to have a very unsatisfying augmentation result is to not get the lift that was recommended. That is is not an aesthetic breast. And a lot of the times you really have to do a, a uh, vertical scar. It's you have to do the vertical, yeah. not all, most of the time you have to do a vertical scar. Where I have seen patients get in trouble or other surgeons get in trouble is when they try to avoid doing the lift by throwing in a giant implant, which didn't just leads to a whole host of other problems and the breasts still don't look great. Big implant, big problems. Big problems. And the periareolar mastopexy is is it's on it's not it's not at the top but it's on sort of the level of like one of my least favorite operations 
because of the scar, because of the unsatisfying lift that you get. You don't get a great lift. Out no, of you it. don't. You, you get, get a, a centimeter bit and a like, half, yeah. two centimeters. Maybe if more than that. The scars get put really, really bad, and the breasts start getting flat. A lot of times, you need that vertical. Component. I've had two augmastopexies in the last two months, where I've had to do a unilateral vertical. <laughs> Huh. <laughs> with the periareolar on the on other, the other side. side. I mean, talk about like a like a real pain because the here's the here's why. Um, for the listeners at home, the periareolar mastopexy is when you take skin out around the areola, periareolar, and you close it in around the areola with the idea that because you took the skin from above the the current position of the areola and the nipple, it would Lift rise it. up the the. The breast, the the price you pay for is you flatten the breast. Yeah. And with a vertical, you project the breast. Uh-huh. So it's like, uh, and I was doing periareolar on one side and, and a vertical, vertical on the okay. other side. And it's like, mm. I have a question because this comes up sometimes with my tuberous breasts where it's not uncommon for the underdeveloped side to need a periareolar and the other side to need a vertical. Would you put a unnecessary vertical incision on one breast just to make the scars equal? Not to make the scars equal, but to make the projection equal, equal. I would do it. I wouldn't do it for the scar because I, the patients can deal with the asymmetric scars, which is what I wound up doing for these two patients. Um, but I would, you know. Well, if you're doing it for the projection, the patient just needs a vertical on that yeah, side anyways. It's, it's just, now we're getting really didactic really and esoteric. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, you have to. This is how you get good results. This is what we do. You know, I, I think, you know, for the, the, the audience at home, I think that you, you want to understand that, you know, these, these mental gymnastics are really essential in sort of making the diagnosis of what the problem is. And that's why breast augmentation is not easy. And I can't, I can't stand that people think that that's an easy operation. I know. We're like, oh, it's just a breast augment. It's not just a breast. No, dog. it's like it's somebody's body and it needs to be awesome when it's over. Like that's the whole point. And if it's not, then, you know, we need to like get back on the horse and keep going and make it better. But I, I can tell you that, you know, a lot of the operations that I do for breasts that look amazing, you know, out of the gates, that <laughs> pregnancy and weight gain and weight loss are, are wreak havoc on these devices. And I don't, I, I don't really understand why that is, but I think that, that weight gain and weight loss really, and that's the same thing as like pregnancy with the, you know, the engorgement of the breast with the milk. And then as it, you get the postpartum involution, it really causes a lot of trouble. Well, cause these are artificial devices. They're designed to kind of sit, you know, in a high artificial position. And then the breasts, fall off of that because they're responding to gravity and the implants sometimes don't respond to gravity. So then you get this discrepancy between the two. All right. Well, I don't think we should keep going too much longer on this because we could get into some really, really significant minutia. (laughs) Uh, But, but suffice it to say for everybody listening, like you really want to have an idea of what you're looking for when it comes to a beautiful breast, bringing in photos to the surgeons, a great idea. I love that. Yeah, it helps. It helps the most, especially when they bring my pictures. And I like when they bring the ones that they like, but I especially like when they bring the ones that they don't like Mm, because it tells me what direction they don't want to go. Yes, agreed. You know, because they're all different. Mm -hmm. You know, 
and everybody's body is different. So like this is a custom suit. You know, it's a custom tailored operation for every single patient, whether it's a reduction, a reconstruction or an augmentation. That is it. You know, we try and take our time and analyze and perform to the best of our abilities. And uh, the goal is to, you know, make our patients happy. So when we finish this and and stroke our own egos when we're happy as well <laughs> because we we want to be prideful we want to have we want to well, be happy in what we've done but you know that that is the least important thing it is the, the least important thing but I think you have to have pride in your work oh, you know definitely. if you've left the OR and you're not happy with what you did like get back in there <laughs> yeah you shouldn't be leaving them. yes um, I think based on our earlier discussion I think you and I need to get down to some insurance adjuster's office and kick some ass maybe slap them. someone should we slap I, I, them no we I, I don't want to be violent but i think we need to like there there's something wrong with the scenario we talked about and i'm and i'm disturbed by it so and if any of you out there listening have any connections to these people feel free to write them a, a letter with mm-hmm. your concerns <laughs> i always love that I have, some concerns. I have some concerns yeah well my concern is that that's dumb how's that i like it Well, in that case, this is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the 90210. Thanks for listening to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. If you want to reach Dr. Ravello or myself, we're available for consultations. We can also be reached through the websites. Dr. Ravello, what's your website? My website is rovelloplasticsurgery.com. And the phone number to reach us here in the office is 310-954-1355. And I do want to mention Rock Spa, which is the sponsor, truly the financial backer of this podcast. And Rock Spa is the Medi Spa that's located both in Newport Beach and Beverly Hills, providing Botox, fillers, lasers, microneedling, esthetician services like hydrofacials. We have incredible people. They do great stuff. And I highly recommend taking a look at the websites, rockspanewportbeach.com or rockspabeverlyhills.com. All the information is also on my website, drcalvert.com.